Welcome to Straight and Curly, a podcast for self-improvement junkies. I'm Kelly Exeter. And I'm Carly Jacobs. This is episode 148. Hello and welcome to Straight and Curly. How are you going today, Kel? Oh, I'm just like a Flat as a tack at the moment. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's all it's all fine. Um, yeah, I've had yeah, just a, some flattening stuff, but that's all right. Not like you guys. Um, mm. I was flat. Well, I'm actually a little bit flattened by situation in Victoria, so I will do a bit of a date stamp just so that people know when we're recording this for context. So it is the fourth of August today, and Victoria. A state in Australia has gone into what are you in full? Are you in full lockdown where you are, or is that we are Melbourne? not? No, so Melbourne is in stage four, which is full on curfews. So, uh, in uh, metropolitan Melbourne areas, you're allowed to leave your house for one hour a day for exercise only. You're not allowed out of your house between the hours of eight pm and five am, and you're pretty much not allowed to go anywhere except the supermarket or work if you are an essential worker. The worst part of it is is that they've closed childcare centres as well. Mm, not where not where I we know. are, but yeah, it was just yeah, nuts out of well, I mean, not out of nowhere, but it was it was a very sudden. Well, it felt sudden, like <laughs> you, we, we could definitely yeah, see it. Yeah, well, coming. I didn't really have any choice but for it to be sudden, um, exactly, because the numbers yeah. just kept going up. Every yeah, it, day. it was shocking though. Like Dan Andrews yeah. went. And said that like a quarter of the people that were testing positive for COVID were just still going to work. And it's, Ugh. yeah, it's just, there's just things like that where we've just been like, guys, I, I want to see my mum on Christmas Day. Okay. Can we just sort this out? So we're, we're perfectly happy with, you know, all of the restrictions, obviously, because we're all trying to do the right thing. And um, yeah, just like, you know, wearing masks and stuff. It's so sad though, because like, you know, everything was starting to feel a bit normal again and then we all just got shut back down. But Yeah, yeah and are- that's what the government's really, you know, they were so wanting to avoid that whole having to re-shut down things once they had reopened. So I'm so, I'm kind of, I'm really bummed out for the government because Same. They, they so desperately wanted to avoid this situation and they've really had no choice and, um, yeah, I'm really I don't bummed know. out for Dan Andrews because he has yeah. done such a fantastic job. He just he looks so awful. Like, sorry, Dan, but he just looks <laughs> like he needs a good feed and a holiday and like more than two and a half hours sleep. The poor guy. But also, I, I feel like this is very unfair and a very good indication that we are not control. We are not in control of this nah. virus, and we had the earliest, strictest restrictions we lifted them the latest and we are having the worst resurgence and it's just it's random so I wouldn't be sitting in other states going ha ha we did a better job I'd be like be very very careful because it really could be you next yeah don't worry and we are we very much like you know we're very kind of back to normal here in WA but also a little bit pulling our pants going like it was just that quick in Victoria Um, and it's just how fast community transmission can spread and it does feel a little bit like once it's taken hold and I can kind of see why other countries now are kind of like well we just kind of have to live with this yeah even though lots of people are dying um, because how do you get it back under control once it's reached a certain, you know, a certain critical mass? Exactly. Now it's, it's just, you know, now they're just trying to control it at a level that it's not overwhelming hospitals. But now a lot of healthcare workers in Victoria are getting sick. So it's just, yeah, I think that that, yes. Yeah. Why am I feeling so flat that it's, there's a lot of fear and worry tied up in that, even though it's not happening to us, even though we've got quite a normal life going on over here. It's just frightening to see how quickly and easily it, it can get out of control. Yeah. On a positive yeah. note, though, I do think that the restrictions are fantastic. I'm fully behind them and I fully believe that in six weeks with these measures we can get it back into a controllable state. So I'm feeling very positive about that. 
I hope so. Cross fingers. Yeah. Cross fingers. Okay, let's go recommendation of the week. So my recommendation of the week is stretch classes. So I can't actually do them anymore because our gym's closed down again. I was just, I know I spent the last two episodes going on and on about how grateful I was to have my gym back, but it's gone again. Thankfully, one of my trainers does one-on-one sessions. So she's going to run those and you're allowed to do those under our current restrictions. So I will be doing a few one-on-ones with her during the week. Um, and she's lovely as well, which is awesome. So part of it will just be like, go and hang out with my mate because I'm not going to be able to see anyone <laughs> oh, else. that's nice. So that's I'll just nice. like, you know, pay to hang out with her for a couple of weeks. Um, so I can't actually do them anymore. Uh, and But I've been loving these stretch classes that she's been doing. And I've always had a struggle with things like yoga because if I'm going to spend an hour at the gym, I want to make it worth my while burn a lot of calories, tone some stuff up. And I know a lot of people swear by yoga for toning and, you know, every yoga teacher makes it look like if you do yoga, you get a supermodel figure. Um, I've never, I've never found, I have always found yoga to be very frustrating. Um, and that's nothing, it's not to say anything bad about yoga. It's just to say that my personal experience with it is, come on guys, let's just do something. Come on. Um, (laughs) so, but these stretch classes have been amazing. They're kind of a mix between strength and, um, stretch. And I usually do them on a Friday and it's just a beautiful way to end out the week. And it's an hour long class and I've just been enjoying them so much. So yeah, if, if you're the type of person Mm. who has tried yoga and hasn't really meshed well with it, perhaps a strength stretch class might be a bit more your pace. Um, yeah, just a cheek recommendation if that's something that is available to you. Oh, nice. You almost have me sold on stretch classes. <laughs> this brings me back to Billions, which I was like uh, talking about last week's show um, and how they, you know, the, I want her, their psychiatrist or their, sorry, their psychologist because that's my style of psychology is just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, but in Billions, like they all seem to have like this stretching person, like this person that goes and stretches them. And I was looking at it going, huh, you know, you know when you get a bit old like, I am now and, you know, every bit of exercise gives you soreness and you're yeah. just like, yeah, that would be good to have my own personal stretching person come to my house every day and stretch me so I don't have to do it for myself because I'm not going to do it for myself. So, yeah, yes. stretching is so important and I actually I have a thing, um, I have hypermobility in my joints so I've always been quite flexible and for the first time in my life I'm actually feeling a little bit less flexible than I have been. Interestingly enough, Harriet's also got hypermobility in her joints. Mm. Yeah, she kind of can fling herself around and do like weird <laughs> things with her shoulders and her legs Ugh. and they kind of freak people out at daycare. I'm like, yeah, sorry, that's me. Um yeah, so it's been it's been really interesting kind of starting to seize up a little bit as I get older and just getting back to stretch and getting a bit more of my flexibility back. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you do feel a heaps better. Um, my recommendation of the week is uh, a poet called Morgan Harper Nichols on Instagram. So my friend Nat, who who died earlier this year or a couple of months ago, um, she, she got me on to Morgan Harper Nichols because she said, oh, look, I think this is your – your kind of thing and she was absolutely right because she's so she describes herself Morgan describes herself as a 30 year old artist who makes art as a response to stories topics and words people send me so send her um oh, kind of like post secret what's what's that oh post secret it's, it's very old school internet where people used to um send in secrets on a postcard to this guy and he uh, put them on the internet so it was very like user generated content but I mean it sounds like she's obviously putting in a lot more effort well yeah she well yeah no she's yeah so she kind of writes things in response to the things that people send her and she says um and this is I think what I I really love about her because this is definitely what I get from her art she says making art is about finding grace in the face of everything that is going on in the world at any given time and I really think that that is exactly what she does and I find it very like as a writer, I find her really inspiring because how she writes is I just go, well, I just want to write like that. So um, it gives me something to aspire to because for I'd lost, I've always had people that I've aspired to write like and I had lost that for a while there. Like I was like, oh, there's no one in the world now that I, you know, I just love how they write and I want to be like them. And, you know, I, I was missing having that in my life and she's now that person for me. Thanks, Morgan. Um but yeah, I just love her words. She's very talented. She makes me want to be a better writer. She inspires me with how she communicates. So um, 
yeah, there you go. A recommendation week I that everyone that. can get on board with. <laughs> how, how exciting is it having a new muse? Like you haven't, no, sorry, oh. muse is the wrong word. Like, an inspir- like, like someone you yeah. aspire to be like, like, and as in not like I aspire to be like her, but I aspire to do work like her, I think, yeah. yeah. And it, it and it really, when you don't have that, you do feel a bit lost. Um, mm. And I have, I reckon I've gone, oh, solid two years without that person that I just, you know, for a long time to say it was like, you know, like, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, I wanted to write like her or um, Sarah Wilson for a while, Mia Friedman for a while, um, Mark Manson for a while. But, you know, you you eventually evolve and, you know, you you take on what you can from those people but then you You get somewhere that, yeah, you get somewhere where they can't take you. And, yeah, so I'd kind of outgrown all those various people who had inspired me and then I was like, I really, where's, you know, no one inspires me right now, so I feel like I am not growing as a writer. So she is now inspiring me to, you know, communicate better, grow my, grow as a writer, um, and it's just really lovely to have that in my life. So oh, yeah, I love that. There you go. Yes, your random thing of the week, Carl. So my mum got a cat. <laughs> it's a rescue cat. He's a Scottish fold, so he's like a Taylor Swift cat, those ones that have the little folded down <laughs> ears. They're adorable. Aww. Uh, so mum actually decided, so this is a random fact about Scottish folds. Mum really wanted a Scottish fold, but if you buy the kittens, their ears aren't folded yet and only like one in four of their ears actually do fold. So it's kind of like a lucky dip cat. If you buy the kitten yeah. and its ears don't fold, you've just got like a regular cat. So you just got a, You've just got a Scottish but not a Scottish fold. Exactly. So she was like, but I really, I really want a Scottish fold. So she ended up getting a rescue grown-up Scottish fold cat because she was obsessed with getting these proper ears. Anyway, so he's absolutely beautiful and it's all going very well, but she wanted to call him Greg because all of my neighbours are called Greg <laughs> and because I think some listeners would remember when Harriet was really little, she looked like a boy and I had this plan that the next time someone asked what her name was, what his name was, I was going to say Greg because I think the idea of a baby Gregory is just hilarious. No one ever asked me. So the name Greg has become a bit of a joke in our house. So mum really wanted to call the cat Greg. Anyway, on the day they got the cat, my brother and sister-in-law were there and they decided he should be called Fergus. And because my mum is such a people pleaser, she was like, yeah, yeah, cool. We'll call the cat Fergus. Anyway, time has passed since then and my dad has been experiencing some name regret and has regretted <laughs> calling the cat Greg. And now it's kind of stuck now. So they've changed, they've changed the name to Greg. But my mum doesn't want to tell my brother and sister-in-law because she thinks they'll be upset. So at the moment, the cat is called Greg, but she's pretending it's Fergus when they're around. And I had to share this because it is the most prime example of overthinking and people-pleasing I've ever seen. So my mum is just the sweetest person you will ever meet, but she's turning herself into knots over this. And I don't even know if my sister-in-law listens to Straight and Curly, but if she does, she's going to think this is hilarious and this is just a public service announcement to my mum. No one cares what your cat is called, (laughs) including him. Just do whatever is in your heart. So I will give you guys an update on what is happening with Fergus slash Greg at some point in the future. Oh, well, that's just a beautiful lead into our topic of the week because it kind of speaks <laughs> to communication within a family and what happens really when you does. overthink. I didn't just, even just I did that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, as we mentioned in last week's episode, communication is a huge topic. So we so huge we've split it into two episodes. Um, really, we could almost do a whole season on it, but we're going to try and do it in two episodes. So last week we tackled how to communicate more effectively with the people that you work with. And this week we're looking at communication with, you know, people that you love. So partner, friends, family, you know, personal relationship types communication. So Carl's, what are you what are your thoughts on personal communication? So I think this topic is quite difficult because communication is a two-way street. However, I do really believe that you can set yourself up to be a good communicator and that will at least get you 50% of the way. So you know how there are some people who just seem to be at odds with everyone all the time? 
I'm quite <laughs> conflict adverse. So when I found myself in conflict with someone, it's really jarring because it doesn't happen often. But when I look further, I can often see that the person I'm in conflict with is usually in conflict with half a dozen other people. And I know this sounds really horrible, but weirdly that makes me feel better because it's a sign that this person has issues with communication and I'm doing my 50% to get that far. And this isn't kind of it's not supposed to be like a brag, oh, I'm such a great communicator. <laughs> it's just to to try to inspire people to get to the point where they can be a solid 50% of that equation because if neither of you are putting in the effort to be good communicators, that's when the shit really hits the fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. And I, I do also struggle with those people. And, and for this reason that you just kind of mentioned, like, you know, I really pride myself on being able to meet people where they are and communicate with them in a way that will ensure kind of both of us feel heard. So when I kind you of You really across, are very good at that, Kel. You're much better at it uh, than I am. <laughs> Thank you. It's my perfectionistic thing. That's the mm. one thing I'm a bit perfectionistic about. Um, but, you know, when I do come across someone that I can't just get through, I just can't get through to them. Um, and, yes, I do agree with you that they do, t- do t- tend to be the people who are in conflict with everyone, mm. not just me. Um, I do feel like it's a bit of a failure on my part um, when really, as you said, some people just don't buy into the fact that communication is a two-way street. You can't have one person doing all the work. Two people do kind of need to meet somewhere along the way and work things out. Um but let's not focus our efforts on those people. Let's focus our efforts on the people who want to understand and also to be understood. Um, and that's going to take me into my first tip, um, which kind of goes a bit hard or go home. I just realized before, <laughs> I feel like I'm going really, really serious here, but try not to let familiarity breed contempt. Um, so John Gottman is a psychological researcher and clinician that some people may have heard of. He's done lots of work, like 40 years worth of work on divorce prediction and marital, marital stability, which is two words (laughs) that are very hard to state. Maritable stability. Um, but anyway, through his work, he identified. I think you got that wrong again. It's marital stability. No, no, I know. I was saying it wrong. Oh, you were saying it wrong because you were saying how you said it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was proving just how hard it is to say correctly. Um, Anywho, uh, through his work, he identified there were four behaviours that tend to destroy relationships, contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And he said out of those four, contempt was the best predictor of divorce. Um, So contempt is an insidious little thing. It does build over. It's not like you don't go straight to contempt. Like it's something that builds Mm. over time. And Mm. I think the easiest way to catch it and stop it in its tracks is when you catch yourself rolling your eyes at someone you know, doesn't matter who they are, your partner, your parents, your besties. Um, I roll my eyes at my parents a lot. Um, and I have to, and I've had to over the years catch myself doing it and kind of stop myself doing it because it's a real slippery slope. Um, so yes, rolling your eyes without, with anything but the highest level of affection, we can roll our eyes with affection. Yes, um, we can. Is a sign that you've kind of put your feet on the path to contempt. And that's the best place to catch yourself because when you are like well down the path on that one, it's really, really hard to pull it back. Um, and I guess I have a really lovely and simple story for the difference between what an eye roll can do and what, you know, what, you know, holding back from an eye roll can do. So there were, I remember this going back quite a few years, but Aunt and I were in a meeting at work and I hate meetings. Just I, f- I find Do them you intolerable. Just, that's the first time I've ever heard uh, that from you. I thought you loved them. Oh, I just loathe them, especially when I'm not in charge of the agenda and in charge of keeping them meeting, so keeping it moving. So we're in this meeting and I was sitting next to him and I was starting to get a little bit restless because someone was going on and on and on and on. And he turned to look at me and I was sure he was going to roll his eyes at me um, as if to say, Kelly, just steal um, because he was always kind of saying to me, I know you hate meetings, but they're part of life and you just need to have a better attitude about them rather than <laughs> making it clear you don't want to be there, um, which is usually what I did. Anyway, so he turned to me and I was kind of braced myself for the eye roll and I was going to get all angry and defensive and go 
this person needs to shut up. Um, and he just smiled at me and he smiled at me in a way that went kind of really clearly conveyed, I know how much you hate meetings. I know this is killing you. You're doing a good job sitting through yeah. it. And it just made me feel so different. Like, so instead of being defensive and angry and, you know, you know, I hate meetings. Why should I be in here? Like, it just made me feel really nice. So that's a really long way of saying, you know, catch yourself when you are tempted to be contemptuous of someone and and because that that one thing is a relationship killer whether it's a romantic relationship a familial relationship a friendship it, it the rolling of the eyes at someone really makes them feel like crap and tells them that you're a bit over them and a bit sick of them so if you are a bit over them a bit sick of them eye roll away but if you love them and you want this relationship to continue uh hold the eye rolls I think a wink is a really nice replacement as well so it's (laughs) either like an eye roll is like putting up a wall and a wink is kind of connecting you yeah or a little smile a little Mm. smile that goes yep I know I know you don't want to be here but you're doing a good job anyway oh I love that yeah yeah Okay, so my first first point is (laughs) never blame. So this is targeted towards addressing an issue. If you have a problem with something someone you love is doing, you need to present it as a general issue that they can help you to solve. So if you're finding there's an issue you need to bring up, instead of, I really need you to do more stuff around the house, try something like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed at the moment. Do you think you could help me come up with a family schedule? It's really tempting to get competitive, but honestly, it never helps anything. And if you come at your partner or loved one all guns blazing, it's not going to work. If you come at them asking for help, it will it will definitely open up a, a conversation rather than putting up a wall. Yeah. And I think just quickly on that, we expect our partners particularly to be mind readers a lot. Mm. Um, and I, I can't think, I'm sure we've all found ourselves in that situation where we thought I shouldn't have to ask for help. They should know, they should be able to see that I need help and they should be able to provide it. But just let, let's give each other the um, the grace of not assuming that we're all mind readers because none of us are and just if we need something, just ask for it. I think there, there's so much... So much gets caught up in having expectations of each other that are just not reasonable. Let's just make it easy for each other to support each other, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, My tip number two is to understand that good communication takes time and be willing to put in that time. So this speaks a little bit to my first point about familiarity breeding contempt because, you know, the people that we love the most, we te- we do tend to put the least effort and time into communicating with them because we know they're going to cut us slack. We know they're going to give us the benefit of the doubt when we're a bit short or a bit irritated or a bit we, we don't put the effort in. Uh, the reality is those are the people we should be putting the most effort into communicating with. And, and I'm not kind of talking like a Herculean effort and time here. I'm just talking that tiny little bit of extra effort that you, you know, that we tend to put into communicating with people we don't know, like, you know, you know, the random email that we get from someone we don't know, we'll put more effort into, and this little speaks a bit to like, we were talking about niceties and how nice it is to be able to just dash off an email and not have, hey, how are you going? How's your day? <laughs> Hope you're going well. You're Hope totally this, contradicting this, ourselves now. Yeah, but, you know, I'm just saying it's just just to catch our, t- especially in written communications, let's just take that tiny little bit of extra time to not snap, to not be irritable, to catch a, a, a bit of a dodgy tone before we dish it out to someone just because we know that we can take it um, rather than, you know, saving all our best communication for the people that, you know, we don't see every day. Um, Yeah, because otherwise we start getting into that territory of taking people for granted and let's be honest, nobody wants to be taken for granted and that's not a great relationship builder. My tip number two is to always be honest. I think 
it's really important to try being honest about how you're feeling. So actually saying, I'm feeling a bit sad today, or I'm feeling really low energy and I don't have a lot of confidence. So I find that this works with friends, family, colleagues, and most, if not all people are really, really receptive to it. I will often tell Ben that I'm having a low day. He already knows when I'm having a low day. Like he can, he can sense it the second I wake up, but it like, it's important for me to verbalize it because then we both know that I'm having a low day and I might need a little bit of extra care that day or, you know, there's there's things that Ben can do or, or there might have been something that Ben wanted to address with me that day and he might save it for the next day, that yeah. kind of thing. Because I was going to say the other thing, it takes a bit of guesswork out of it because sometimes we think, oh, did, did I do something? Are they grumpy because I did something? And then you don't want to ask the question because you don't want to find out that you did. And so sometimes it's so nice when your partner goes, oh, no, I'm just – I'm just having a low day and then you're like, oh, it wasn't me. Cool. All right. And now you now you can get on with supporting them without thinking, did I do something? Should I ask? I don't exactly. ask. Exactly. You know? That's very helpful for the overthinkers amongst us <laughs> who are just end up in a spiral of, oh, God, what did I do? Um, so I, I think generally sharing your expectations with people is always a really good idea. So, for yes. example, my mate Kate, who used to be from Secret Bloggers Business but is now Hello Funnels, I believe, she's always on time and she has a 10 minute window that you can be late in and then she starts getting annoyed. And I love knowing this about her. I'm never late to meet her because I know it pisses her off. Not that I'm ever late anyway, but yeah, I was gonna no, say. I'm never late, but still it's, it's, I'm just kind of like, I really enjoy knowing that about her because she's a really cruisy, easygoing person, but knowing these things about her, just like, like her love language is gift giving. It's a really important mm. thing to know because then it's just yeah. kind of like, well, if I want to show you that I appreciate you, you require a gift. It's, yeah. good, it's good to know. Um, and another example is that I've written several times that I don't like gifts. Gifts are not my love language. Please don't buy me a gift, um, mainly because I'm really fussy and I really hate waste. And I've joked several times in blog posts and on this podcast that all I ever want from anyone is a bottle of pepper jack and for someone to sit on my couch and drink it with me. Now, whenever someone comes to my house, they always bring me a bottle of pepper jack. When I go to other people's houses for dinner, <laughs> there's generally a bottle of pepper jack. And I friggin' love it. Like it's just so great that I made that be known. And now the people who love me are like, oh, that's the thing that Carly likes and and they do it for me, which is just so great. And they wouldn't know that if I didn't tell them. Um, and I've also got a mate of mine who doesn't like hot tomato based food. <laughs> like she does not like spaghetti, doesn't like lasagna. So I don't make those things for her. Um, and as I was writing this, I had a really cool idea. So I reckon anyone who's listening to this today, this would be a really cool thing to do on Facebook and let's hope it goes viral. I think people should write out 10 truths about themselves and post them on Facebook. So these truths need to be around things that you are happy to do and things that you don't like doing so that people know that about you. So for instance, um, people staying in my house when I'm not there really freaks me out. And then that way you can put that out there and then the people who know you will be like, cool, I won't ask to stay in your house. I will never ask to do that. Exactly. Um, Another one could be, I don't like driving cars that aren't my own. So if you've got a friend who's like, oh, do you mind taking my car to the mechanic? they'll know not to ask you to do it. Or (laughs) I'm happy to cook meals for you if that would help you out. Or I really, really don't want to look after your children. Or (laughs) I'm more than happy to be the designated driver every single time we go out for dinner. So that's me. That one's me. That one's you. See, that's really great. So therefore- And that's good to know. That's good for people to know, isn't it? to know because I don't ever want to be the designated driver. (laughs) (laughs) And I would feel really bad you driving me out every time. But if you truly publicly declared that you honestly didn't mind doing that, I'd be like, sweet. Thanks, Kel. See, isn't this like, you know, this comes back to what I said in the last episode, good communication reduces uncertainty and reducing uncertainty in people's lives is a huge, huge gift. So if no other reason for good communication, reduce people's uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, excuse my dogs, I, I can't stop them barking without, if I lock them in a different room in the house and they know that I'm in this front room, they go completely mental. So I'm <laughs> having to have them here in the study with me. Um, yeah, we used to record when the kids were home so I could leave them in the back with the kids, but um, the kids are at school right now and um, doggos are in the office with me and they bark at anybody who sniffs out the front of the house. So Sorry about that. Um, Okay, on to my third tip. So 
I think you need to be really clear on what your personal deal breakers are in relationships. And I think, look, there can be two extremes of communication. There are the people who they don't say anything when something upsets them. They let things simmer and simmer and simmer and then explode one day out of the blue for something that seems really insignificant. So that's one extreme. And then there are the people who articulate literally everything that you do that upsets them, which neither of these extremes make for good long-term relationships. And I think like the middle ground is that everyone needs to figure out what things are particularly important to them and then kind of hold people, the people you love accountable to those things. But then you got to let the other little things go. So for me, Personal responsibility is a really major thing. I find it really hard when uh, when people blame others for their behavior. So, mm. oh, yes. I you know I lashed out because this you person did this. did this. You know, it just like I I'm not saying whether the, this is virtuous or anything. I'm just saying this is something I find personally really hard to take. I'm very big on we all have to take ownership for our own behavior. Other people can do things that irritate us, but how we respond is well within our control. So that's something that's really big for me. And it's something that I kind of need the people around me to adhere to. That, and get that's on board the, with. That's the, yeah, that, that's the kind of people that I seek to spend my time with. And if people don't do that, then I don't really want to be around them. Or if they're my friends, I'll kind of say, oh, you know, and they're like going, this person did this and it made me do this. I'll go, well... They did that, yeah, but you chose to do that. And I'll just, you know, without being an a-hole about it or without being someone that's really painful to be around, I just hold people to that. Um, So, you know, also gender stereotyping is a really big thing for me and this is particularly within my family. Like my parents are just such old school, just drive me crazy with the whole gender stereotyping thing. So like my dad's like, you know, boys don't cry and I'll be like, nope. Boys do cry, Dad. They cry all the time. Jaden, don't listen to Grandpa. Um, you know, or like my mum is a real shocker. She and it's hard because it's so. It's just how they were raised, right? So, but I'm very, very clear on how I want to raise my kids and yeah, and what things I want them. And I'm really big on not pigeonholing people into gender roles. So when my mum wants to give Aunt a medal for giving Jaden a bath, mm. like, oh, my God, you're such a good dad. And I'm just like, what the hell? He's just being a parent and he's just sharing the parenting responsibility. He doesn't need a medal for this, mum, you know, or like, you know, quite often we'll be at mum and dad's for dinner and dinner will be ready and mum will try to send all the women, all the, you know, myself, my sister yes. and my sister-in-law to serve the kids their meals before the adults go and get their own. And and I'm like, you know, there's perfectly good husbands here who are perfectly capable of doing these mum. Don't just assume that it's the girls who got to go do it. So anyway, they're my deal breakers, um, all of which to say um, they're the things that I will kind of pull people up on. But if you pull people up on like literally everything, like you're going to be the person nobody wants to be around. So, and there's heaps of other little things I'll ignore because they're not as important to me. So know what your deal breakers are and also don't let other people dictate to you what should and shouldn't be important, I think is an important thing. Like whatever your own personal deal breakers are, are your own personal deal breakers. Um, so for, as an example, um, and never really came to watch my triathlons. Uh, I did triathlon for 10 years. He would come to the really, really important races, but not literally every race. Um, meanwhile, I never missed a single one of his basketball games. And this <laughs> really, you know, and this really, really bothered my friends, but it didn't bother me because one, triathlons are boring. They like are if you're not really doing boring. it, yeah, they're super, super boring. You can't like, see nothing- most of it. No, well, that's it. You see the person whiz past you on the bike, and if you're lucky, it's four laps. You you see them whiz past you four times. It's it's, and you know you're out there for hours and hours watching someone whiz past you once every thirty minutes is not exactly scintillating no. stuff. So I was like, I don't want him coming to races to be sitting around for four hours, seeing me go past every twenty or thirty minutes. I'd rather not even be thinking about that. I'd rather just do my race and be thinking about the race. Meanwhile, I love watching basketball. So, yeah, yeah I went to what, you know, I went to his games to support him, but I mostly went because I love basketball. So, yeah. you know, it bothered my friends, 
that about that. It didn't bother me in the least. And, you know, it would have been easy for me to kind of get caught up with like, oh, all my friends think this is important. Maybe I should get bothered by this. Like, don't get bothered by that. Because, you know, if you look at your own friends' relationships, you'll see very quickly that there's stuff their partners do that you go, hang on a minute, I wouldn't put up with that. Yeah, totally. But they put up with it. You know, everybody's got their different things. Nothing toxic. I don't believe anybody should be putting up with toxic behaviour. I'm just talking like those little petty annoyances that all of us ignore um, in favour of the fact that this person brings great stuff to our lives. So Yeah, I've got a funny one to share. Ben does not like it when I crack my knuckles, but he's allowed to crack his back. <laughs> Such a double standard. He he actually really hates it when I crack my knuckles. He freaks out. I mean, I get it. Cracking your knuckles is gross and I shouldn't do it and I'm trying really hard not to. But then he sits there and like like twists from side to side and cracks all the vertebrae up his back and I'm like, double standards, mate. Don't tell me not to crack my knuckles. <laughs> Mm. And you know what? You could you could be really big on that and go, this is a real big thing and, you know, make it a big deal and he would either have to adjust or not, but you would let other things go. So, yeah, I just exactly. think we all have to be clear what our little deal breakers are. Put, you know, double down on the deal breakers but let everything else go. Yeah. Cool. So my number three is to check in regularly. I've been doing this far more with um, in being an ISO, but just quickly texting someone you haven't seen in ages just to see how they're doing. One of my oldest friends texted me the other day and it was just so lovely to hear from her. She's honestly one of my closest friends and my favorite, one of my favorite people, but we probably only talk about four times a year, but it's just perfect. Like a quick text here. And when we can, we drop in to say hello when we're near each other's houses and we never miss important things like, you know, 30th, and 40ths and you know we've known each other since we were nine so you know we're we're basically like family um but yeah we don't talk to each other every day but just like hearing from her I'm like oh that's right you're still there our friendship <laughs> is still a thing this is still great and it's just really lovely uh because you can kind of make things up in your head when you haven't heard from someone in a while and it makes you think that something weird happened, but just that little check-in just makes everything just feel so much better. So never hesitate to check in with people. And also I think particularly in times of isolation when we're not seeing each other, this sounds really cold, but set reminders in your phone to do it. Because you, yeah. in, your, in your head, you feel like, oh, friendships should be effortless. I should remember to do this. But you just don't. Like, set, set Well, you'll little- always remember when, like, you're not near your phone. Yeah. That's what I do. Like, f- forever remembering, oh, I need to just drop this person a message. But I never remember that when my phone is, like, right in my hand. It's always and I always, I'm, like, on a walk or something. Yes, yeah, same. And I always remember, like, if I'm lying in bed and it's 11 o'clock at yes. night. And I'm like, well, I'm going to text <laughs> someone now. Like, they might not, you know, I might wake them up. Yeah. So, yeah. Take notes and and put them in your diary to remind you to text the people and check in with them. Yeah, I like that. Um, My fourth tip is to not say things in passing and expect them to be taken seriously. So it is an easy trap to fall into to kind of just, you know, just let a little comment float by or drop a slightly passive-aggressive comment into a conversation and then expect the target of that comment to be on notice and take note. And I just think we do ourselves and our relationships a huge disservice by relying on passing comments to be noted and acted upon. So look, if something is important to you, be direct about communicating it. You know, do it in a kind fashion, choose your time carefully, but be really direct. And because, you know, if there's any fuzziness from you, and then the person doesn't give your feelings or your comments the attention you feel des- they deserve, you got to remember that's that's not on them, that's on you. You haven't communicated your needs clearly enough. And, again, this comes back to what we were saying before, like we, we do expect our loved ones to be mind readers and it's such an unrealistic de- expectation. Um, expectation. Just, yeah, give people the chance to do the right thing by you. Don't expect them to mind read their way to doing it. My number four is to say lovely things too. So a lot of the conversation that we've had has been based on when you have an issue or you've got a problem or you want to bring something 
up that needs addressing. Um, so I've been doing this thing with Harriet at the moment that I used to do a lot when I was a teacher. I compliment good behavior. So I say things like, Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's, yeah. just a, it's just a habit from, from being a teacher. So I'd say like, Harriet, I love the way you're walking sensibly next to me and holding my hand. I really like that. Or Harriet, thank you so much for sitting so nicely on your chair for dinner. I really like that. So I spend a lot of time, you know, congratulating her, um, and, and building her up when she's doing the right thing. And so I've started doing the same thing with my mates and with Ben. Like, I know that's kind of a bit, <laughs> a little bit weird, but I've been doing things like, um, cause, cause Ben is so great. He like, he, he's not the type of guy who will, you know, swoop in with a giant bunch of flowers and whisk me away for a romantic weekend. His love language is acts of service. So for him, that's yeah. And just all phone. those little things. Yeah, exactly. And like often I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, oh, where's my iPad? And he will have plugged it in last night to charge it. And then you have to charge the pencil separately. So, and then when he gets up in the yeah. morning, he'll plug the pencil in for me. And like that, that's a two-step process Aww. to charge something for I me. I do to that make. for my kids. Oh, you're so yeah. sweet. See, that's just such a nice thing to do. Yeah. Like, and it's so <laughs> thoughtful because it's like, it's a real pain in the ass. And I always forget, I'm really bad at it. Um, and it's for me. So that's a bit silly. Um, but yeah, so I always say thank you. Like I always thank him a lot for, for doing things like that. And, and my mate Loz, who messaged me about a week ago, I, I wrote back to her a few days later and just thanked her for checking in with me and that it just really meant Aww. a lot and that I really appreciated it. And I just think that the more that we can say lovely things to people and appreciate them for the things that they do, um, the, the better it will be received when you do have an issue that you need to bring up because, you know, yeah. you've said the nice things as well. That's right. Yeah, it is It is easy to get in the habit of only giving feedback when it's positive, oh, sorry, when it's negative. And if you do get the chance to just in general give positive feedback within your house or outside of it, um, yeah, I love that idea of, yeah, acknowledging the nice things people do and your kids. I, I do do that with my kids. I do mm. will say to them, you know, thank you so much. You know, you guys are really patient today. Or thank you so much for not fighting while I did that thing. And yeah, acknowledging when they do something great, not just having a crack at them when they do something not great. Exactly. Yeah. So my fifth tip is to be willing to have hard conversations. So look, hard conversations are hard and they take a lot of energy. But here's the thing. I personally believe a willingness to have a hard conversation with someone is one of the highest marks of respect that you can give a person. You know, I, I take it as a huge compliment when someone will raise something with me that's a difficult topic um, or, tr- or give me some much-needed feedback. Like I take that as a really high mark of respect because I think if they weren't willing to do that because that takes so much effort that then they don't don't care mm. about it don't really care that much about me. So I think it's a, a mark of care. I mean, again, as always, you have to choose your time and choose your place and be really kind about how you go about it. But I do think we need to also start acknowledging that if someone's willing to have a hard conversation with us, that's a huge, you know, a, a huge thing of respect. So again, I have an example with my mum Um that my mum and I have an awesome relationship and I remember uh, going back a bit as well, I was at the beach one day and I saw mum taking a photo of me and I was in my bathers and I was in a period where I was like not feeling great about myself Um, and I said, mum, don't take a photo of me in my bathers Um, and I didn't elaborate, just don't. (laughs) And then she posted, so she had taken this photo and then she posted it (gasps) on Facebook (laughs) and then I was like, I saw that. I was like, what? I just told you not to take I'd a photo be so of me. Angry. She'd, already, she'd already taken the photo. Like it was after I told her to not. But then she posted on Facebook and I was like looking at this photo going, what does this mean? Is she is she fat shaming me? Is she, <laughs> like, I just, all the thoughts were going through in my head. And I was working myself up into quite a level of anger and upsetness. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask, like, mum, why did you part? You know, so I said to her, mum, why did you post that photo on Facebook of me? I asked you not to take a photo and not only had you already taken it, then you posted it. And she's like, I thought you looked nice. And I'm like, I Aww. don't think I look nice. Take it down. And then I was like, oh, imagine if I hadn't been willing 
to ask the question and have that conversation, then it would have just gotten so out of control. I would have had all these terrible feelings towards my mum when all it was was just her going, I think Kelly looks nice. I don't know what she's talking about. I'm going to put this photo up anyway. So I just let yeah, all of which to say, rather than working yourself up into a frenzy and making assumptions about what was going through someone's head, ask them if you respect them enough to hear what you have to say and if you respect the relationship that you have with them enough. I love that one. Uh, my fifth and final one is this lovely, uh, it's like an infographic that I found on Instagram while I was writing my notes for this. And so this is kind of just a little guide for how to have a conversation. It was posted by a woman on Instagram who everyone should follow. She's great. She's at please ask Mickey. So it's please ask and then M I K K I. She's a mum and she's very funny and she's got her own podcast and she's got two mad kids and yeah, she's pretty rad. You should follow her. So she posted this and it actually comes from someone called at Dom Roberts, but instead of the E in Roberts, there's an X. I will make sure that <laughs> I will actually, I'll make sure that Kelly puts this somewhere because she's always <laughs> the one that does the notes. Uh, the, um, the infographic has like five tips for how to have a hard conversation. So it's number one is to figure out what your goal is for having the conversation. Number two is, did I give them a chance to explain themselves? Number three, is the way I am about to engage in this conversation going to embarrass them? I absolutely love that point because that's Mm. never your intention. You don't, if you humiliate someone, the conversation's over. It's really important to make sure that you don't humiliate someone. Number four, how would I feel if someone talked to me like this? And number five is, have I thought about this from their perspective? Just a few little tips that I thought were really interesting and a good thing to think about if you're going into combat. Yeah, I really love those. I I love those from um, just a really nice way to wrap up this Mm. topic of the week. On to now, kicked our ass for this week, Carl. Oh, look, stage three restrictions, mate. So I've lost my gym again. Stage three or stage four? Are you guys in stage three but Melbourne's in stage four? We are stage three, Melbourne is stage four. So we're we're, – Look, the difference between stage three and four is pretty minor. Like stage three, you can't see anyone. Um, stage four is it's you know you're basically housebound. Um, but if you, yeah. if you if you do straight stage three restrictions properly, there's not a huge difference between stage three yeah. and stage four on a personal Agreed. level, unless you're an essential worker, in which case things change a little bit. Um, so I also had a girls' dinner recently, which was really nice. So one of my mates invited me out with a couple of her mates. And we actually went out to a pub and had a few drinks and it was so nice. And it's the first time I've done something like that since I moved. And I was feeling really good and positive about, you know, getting a a group of friends and I'm socializing more and doing, and I've been working really hard on that. Like that hasn't happened accidentally. So, and it was so fun, but now I'm just like, oh, I don't get to do that again for ages. And just trying to build friendships when every month or two, you can't see anyone for six weeks. It's just really like, it's really annoying <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> makes makes things just, a bit harder. I just kind of feel tired and I'm just over it. Like I'm, I'm seriously over it, but yeah. What are you going to do? Nothing. What are you going to do? That's it. Um, for me last week kicked my ass. Like it was just kind of this perfect storm of deadlines and events and, Logist, lots of logistics, tight logistics. It meant there was not a lot of white space and I rely heavily on white space to kind of effectively manage my energy levels. It was just one of those things like where each day was mapped out kind of down to the minute and had to be executed. So um, it was really tiring. I haven't had one of those weeks in quite a long time, but I did get through it knowing that like Sunday, 12 o'clock, like 12 lunchtime, our couch had my name on it. So I was just like, I'm not one for looking ahead and going once I get to that point, things will be like nice. But yes, 12 o'clock lunchtime, um, getting onto the couch with my book was super, super sweet. So do your kids just amuse yourself or what amuse themselves while you do that? Um, yes. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just you know, but you know they'll watch TV or they'll play Lego or yeah. Yes, I, my kids okay. are great. Look, let's be honest. I, and okay, my kids are only a bummer when they are fighting with each other. Yeah, as a rule, they're pretty chilled out. They're very happy to amuse themselves. Um, yes. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just in, I'm deep in one and, and a half year in, old territory yes, right and now. You're in toddler territory at the moment, which is you're in the whole yeah. um, tag teaming thing where if you Definitely, want to do yeah. something as decadent as lying on a couch and reading a book, it's like, Ben, you've got to take Harriet out of the house or, or totally, Harriet has to be sleeping. She, she so. does not like it when we relax. She's very no. happy. <laughs> no, like if we, we, we can do housework, yard work. I can clean out a cupboard and she will happily help yeah. me. The second I sit down with a magazine, she just belts it out yeah. of my hand and is like, none of that. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, when am I going to get to the point? Because, like, at, at the moment, oh, our weekend. Four, four not- years old. Four years old is the golden. Great. I, I reckon the golden age. No, that's yours. really good advice. And we're fine. Like, she's great. <laughs> she's, a, she's a fantastic kid. But I just – Every weekend is kind of like the start of a marathon yes. of keeping her yeah. amused. So, yeah, just I, I really like the idea of lying on the couch and reading a book, and I'm very keen <laughs> for that to happen at some point on a weekend. Oh, so, yes, yeah, so what right. I kicked up this week is that I turned down work, and I oh don't think God. I've done that before ever. But I just had a gut feel it wasn't what I wanted to do, and my workload is even very light at the moment. So that was yeah, very huge that for me. That is pretty major for you. Yeah, so that felt good. I was like, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. So I didn't. Yeah, how good, how nice to be able to do that. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, I did something similar the other day where I just straight away saw, look, I just don't think this is going to be a good fit for me and I just shut it down straight away rather nice. than engaging, engaging and string it just went nuts. And, yeah, it felt really good. Um, my kicked ass is that I organised a two-hour three-on-three tournament featuring 24 boys for Jada's birthday party last week, part of what made last week so pressured, um, and totally pulled it off. So, yes, with the help of a few other parents, yes, but um, I was quite proud. I was quite stressed about it in advance going, you know, I I think it's all – I mean, Jaden actually did most of the hard work. Like he – divided everyone into even teams or what he thought were even teams and he did up the draw and everything. I just had to kind of run it on the day and he did such a good job actually. It was all the games that were really, really close. Um, what an amazing so, idea for a birthday. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, it was it was really good and it was just, um, yeah, it was really crazy but totally worth it because, um, yeah, birthdays are quite hard for us since Aunt died. So it was just, it was just really and, – and it. I don't want to do anything. Uh, I just want to pretend like they're not even happening, obviously, but the kids are like, um, we need some love on our birthdays because we're not getting it from daddy. Um, Yeah, so it was just, yeah, he had the best day. He had so much fun. He had this big smile on his face. So it took a huge amount of effort, but, yeah, it it was so, so worth it. Oh, that's lovely. Um, And that just about wraps it up. So don't forget that we do have a Patreon page, which keeps straight and curly in your ears and covers our production costs. If you love listening to the show and you want to support it, just visit patreon.com forward slash straight and curly. And you can also follow us on Instagram at smaggle and at Kelly Exeter. Also, please don't forget to leave us a review. It helps other people find us. Oh, I have to go check and see if we have actually got any reviews. We do. We've we've had a few new ones. So since I started mentioning it, more people have been leaving reviews, which is lovely. It's so nice. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, And do finally jump into the Facebook group and share your thoughts about this week's show. We do post each week um, a short summary about the show and invite comments on the show beneath that. So, yeah, we look forward to chatting more more with you there. Thank you so much for listening to Straight and Curly. This week's show notes and links will be available at straightandcurly.com. And if you have any questions or weird self-improvement hacks you want us to trial, you can tweet us at Kelly Exeter or at Smaggle, or you can email us at hello at straightandcurly.com. Love.